Amen. I'll go ahead and throw things. <laughs> I'll go ahead and grab a seat. And if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Romans. We're still in Romans. And uh, you can turn to chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. <clears throat> And why you are turning there, I'm gonna ask a question and I'm gonna let you actually uh, discover, discuss it for a second. Um, I want you to discuss what is your favorite thing, or maybe you could say, what is your favorite benefit about the stage of life that you're in? And so, okay, so here's, here's a question. Who, I'll just show me your hand, you raise your hand. Um, anyone... Anyone find it difficult to think of the benefits of the stage of life you're in? Anybody? A couple people? Okay, okay. Uh, let me, so, so, for those of you, necessarily bad to think that way, of like, hey, if I'm gonna agree to this, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna be a part of this, what am I gonna get out of it? And if I'm honest, I think in, in the Christian life, and again, maybe especially here, like in our culture and our generation, I think we're very, me included, we're very unaware of the benefits of knowing Jesus. And maybe it'd be like more specific to the text. We're very unaware, unfamiliar with the benefits, the blessings of being saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Y'all tracking with me? So I think it's easy to, to turn, we'll talk about this more as we go through this passage tonight, but it's easy to think of Christianity as like, well, I don't do this, I do this, one day I'll go to heaven, but outside of that, my life sucks. <laughs> I, think, I think we, sorry, mom. <laughs> my mom listens to the podcast. I said sucks. Anyways, um, <laughs> we, we tend, to, we tend to, to make it do's and don'ts, and then like, that's just kind of it, and one day I'll get to see Jesus when we all get to heaven. Like, like we just kind of have that idea. But the reality is, there are benefits like today. Amen, yeah, right now. And I love Romans 5 because Paul just, God through Paul, just straight, straight up tells us what some of those benefits are. So this is not like an all-inclusive list of like a uh, completely thorough list, but it's some of the blessings of knowing Christ. So I just wanna say real quick, if you're not a Christian, if you turn to Jesus, put your faith in Jesus, these blessings could be yours. So we're not health and wealth here. Like the reality is Jesus calls you to come and die and to follow him. It is not easy. But also, you know what? Like we don't call it, or sorry, there's a reason we call it good news, right? So there is some good news in this, a lot of good news, the best news, and we're gonna see some of that tonight. So if you're not a Christian, realize as we're reading these things, I'm gonna say the word you a lot, but if you don't know Christ, then it doesn't apply to you. Does it make sense? I'm not trying to be rude, exclusive. Like it's just it's the reality. So Christianity is, um, exclusive and that these things only apply to you if, you're, if you know Christ, but it is inclusive and that anyone can turn to Christ. You with me? Okay, so, so that being said, if you are a Christian, I, I think as we're reading these, you're gonna be like, duh, I've heard that before. But I'll, I'm gonna submit to you that you're probably, if you're a Christian, probably a lot like me, and that I might know these things up here, but the way I live my life shows that I don't actually, well, that I struggle to believe them. You with me? It's like embrace them every day. Um, just to give you a little bit of context, 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 where we're at in Romans 5, I, if you're, you're my, you may be thinking, well, we just finished Romans 3. Why are you skipping, skipping Romans 
um, chapter four. I, honestly, the, the read, partly because I'm trying, the way I'm trying to like get through this series in the spring semester and the fall semester, it's a little bit of a time issue, but also in Romans chapter four, basically, though it's incredible, you should go home and read it later, um, but in Romans chapter four, basically what Paul is doing is just showing, he's using Abraham as almost like a case study, as an example, as proof for why no one is saved by what they do, by following the law, by being a good person, but it's all by grace through faith. And so to the Jewish reader especially, this would have been huge because if Abraham, Father Abraham, if Father Abraham was saved by faith, then certainly that's what we're saved, that's how we're saved, does it make sense? So he's, so again, it's not that chapter four is unimportant, it's very important, but really, we've, as we've been reading through Romans, we've seen, again, the story of God in us that we're all under the wrath of God because of our sin, then we saw in Romans chapter three, that we're all saved by grace through faith if we'll turn to Christ, y'all with me? And then again, chapter four is just kind of him laying out um, Abraham as an example. And so one thing I wanna also point out to you is <clears throat> in chapter four, look at verse two, it says, um, what then, so chapter, sorry, chapter four, verse one. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What, what Paul implies there, and he goes on to say, is no one gains anything except maybe a headache and stress and uh, burdens by obeying the law. I said that wrong, sorry. No no one, no one gains, man, I'm struggling here. No one gains anything by trying to earn their salvation from God. Does it make sense? Like, you don't, there's nothing is gained there. You don't earn, there's no benefit there by trying to, I'm gonna show God how good I am and impress him. There's no gain, there's no benefit there. Seriously, except maybe like a headache and extra burdens. So now in chapter five, he's gonna say, so if we're not saved by, by works, no one can be saved by what they do. But if we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, what are those benefits? And before we really start digging, chapter five, verse one, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, so again, justified, if you remember to two weeks ago, justified meaning that God declares me as righteous, innocent, and good based on what Jesus has done for me. So it's not that he looks at me and says, Brandon, you know what? You're a pretty good guy. I'm, yeah, you're pretty good. No. I'm really messed up, but because I place my faith in Jesus, my trust in Jesus and what he's done for me, God gives me the righteousness of Jesus and puts it on me. So he looks at me as just as if I'd never sinned, justified. Y'all with me? So here's what, we say, what he says. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, so since we've been put into a right relationship with God by faith, we've been declared righteous, innocent, and free and forgiven by faith, Here's what he says. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the first thing I want you to see. We're gonna put it on the screen in case um, I say it too fast. Because you have been justified by faith, God is your friend. Hey, Rylan, can you put that on the screen for me, brother? Maybe, I think the computer's maybe having a little trouble here. Um, but because God is your friend, no, I said that wrong. Because you've been justified by faith, God is your friend. So he says, we have peace with God. Man, here, here's what's so beautiful about this. Though I was under the wrath of God and deserved judgment and punishment from God because of what who did for me, what's it say, through who? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So because of what Jesus has done for me, I'm now at peace with God. 
I'm not an enemy of God. I'm now a friend of God because of what Jesus has done for me. So I'm not at war with him. It's, it's not awkward. No, I'm at peace. And just to be clear, it doesn't say we have, we have the peace of God, though that's true. So it's not like, man, now I have peace in my life. No, he's saying we're, we are at peace with God. To say it like kind of our terms, like you're cool. You're cool with God. <laughs> I had a, um, you've heard me talk about my friend Robbie a lot. And uh, I may have told this a long time ago to some of y'all, but he, in, I think it was in middle school, he had a, a what we'll call him as a friend, um, come up to him and as serious as he could be, and he was serious, came up to Robbie and said, hey man, um, every year I put uh, all the names of my friends in a hat and I draw out a name and whoever's name I draw, I quit being their friend because I don't wanna have too many friends. And like, and... <laughs> And he said, uh, this is a true story, middle school. God bless middle schoolers. He said, Robbie, um, this year I drew your name, so you're dead to me. <laughs> like, not, not a lie, like not a lie, and, and walked off. Like, and, and Robbie, I remember when Robbie told me that in college, I said, like, wait, like surely he came back to you later, and like that was, you know, ha ha. And he's like, no, he really never talked to me. Like, like, like it was over. Like, yeah, RIP, bro. Yeah, deuces. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's like savage. Like, that's like cold blooded. Um, <laughs> now, hey, as dumb as, like, well, and like ridiculous as that story is, you know, if I'm honest, I, I'm not just saying this. I really feel like a lot of us, even as believers, we, we almost have this underlying fear that God's going to do that to us one day. Like, that we're going to wake up one day and God's going to be like, Hey, Ryan, uh, by the way, uh, you know what? I'm just kind of tired of you. You're dead to me. <laughs> I think we kind of have this, like, this, this, this fear that one day God's going to realize, oh, Brandon, wait, you're not perfect? We can't be friends. Like, and he's just going to push us off. But he says we have peace with God, so we're cool. We're, we're friends through Jesus Christ. So my relationship with God, my being at peace and harmony and friendship with God is based not on what I do or how I feel because sometimes I don't feel like a very good person <laughs> and I'm not a very good person, but the reality is my relationship with Christ, my friendship with Christ is not based on me. It's based on what he's done for me. How many of you, like, I, mean, I feel like I'm trying to get better at this, but do y'all ever have those moments where, um, like somebody walks in the room and maybe this happens at church, I hope it doesn't happen at church, but somebody walks in the room and you look at your buddy and you're like, man, I just feel like they don't like me. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You're like, everybody's like, mm-hmm. You're like, I don't know what it is, but I feel like they give me that look. You know what I'm saying? And then your friends, like, typically your friends are like, what are you talking about, <laughs> right? You're like, I don't know, I'm telling you, man, I just don't think they like me. And oh, what is that really, what is that? Absolutely, it's insecurity. It's my own insecurity of like, man, I don't know. What? Too many of us do that with our relationship with God, and I'll be the first to say, like, I do that. It's like, again, I don't verbalize that, but the way I act and the way I think as I get my day going, it's kind of like, man, I'm not sure if God likes me. <laughs> Y'all, if you have trusted Jesus, one of the benefits, one of the blessings is that you're cool. <laughs> so just to kind of metaphorically speaking here, when God walks in the room, he's not like, or let me phrase it this way. 
if, again, just a picture here, if God were to be sitting down, hanging out, and you walk in the room, God doesn't go, right? Like, no, he's like, hey, hey, Brandon, dude, I love you, man. Come here, come over here, let's chat. He's not mad at you. He loves you. Now, if you, again, just to a little like perspective here, if you don't know Christ, you're not traced, trusted in him, the reality is you're still under God's wrath, under his judgment. You say, well, that sounds mean. Well, that's what we deserve, and that's what the beauty of the gospel is, that though I deserve that, man, because of Christ, I can be a friend with God. Good news? Heck yeah, that's good news, as Brittany Walsh says. So here's, here's the cool thing. We have like good news, and we're gonna, there's gonna be more we're gonna see. We have good news for the present, but Paul tell, God through Paul tells us that we also have good news for the future. Check this out. And by the way, I, sorry, time out. I totally for, skipped two verses that I do not wanna skip. Look at verse nine with me. So still on the same idea of what I just mentioned. Um, since there, verse nine, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That word reconciliation means a relationship that was broken is now mended. Y'all with me? So again, just, I, I think it's too important to, to miss that though we had a broken relationship with God through Christ, now it's mended. It's not, we're not separate, we're not far, we're not distant. It's mended. All right, sorry, that was like a little backwards thing there. So knowing that, that's good news for today. It says there's also good news for the future. Check this out. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna skip a little bit of verse two and come back. Um, but look where it says, so verse two, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So here's what this second point means. Because you have been justified by faith, you can look forward to the future. He says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Do you remember what Romans 3.23 says? We studied that a few, or two weeks ago. What does that say? Anybody? You can look in your Bible. It's not cheating. <laughs> Come on, Kayla. You know, what's up? What's it say? Yes, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all sinners. We've all broken what God wanted. So the, the glory that God originally had for creation, really, you could say like heaven on earth, what he originally had, because of our sin, it's been broken. So the glory that really we were supposed to have as humans in reflecting the image of God, the glory we were supposed to see in seeing God's goodness and majesty, the glory of God we were supposed to see on the earth of seeing like everything in its perfection as God created has all been broken because of us, right? That's, that's our story. But here's where Paul says, here's the good news of the future of your story for those who are in Christ. He says, we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Simply it means we can look forward to the future of heaven when guess what? God is gonna make all things new. I can't wait. <laughs> He's gonna make all things right. So, you know, like, I love Lubbock and it's a great place, but how much more beautiful it will be when it is like what God created it to be. And we think the sunsets are something now, like, <laughs> when he makes all things new, we rejoice looking forward to that. When there's no more sorrow, there's no more tears, there's no more brokenness, there's no more hate, there's no more sin. We rejoice as believers because we've been saved by grace through faith in Christ. We look forward to the day when he will make all 
things new. A couple years ago, uh, Laura and I went to Togo, Africa, which is a really small country on the, like, I guess, kind of southern part of the, um, like, the Horn of Africa. Am I saying that right? Right with me? It's just a country in Africa. We'll leave it there, okay? <laughs> I didn't think about how to describe that. Um, anyway, so our plane ride was crazy. Um, we got to Togo about, I think, 11 o'clock at night. And then by the time we got our luggage and uh, ride in this crazy van, uh, we get to the edge of a lake. Um, we're, and it's supposed to, like, we're almost to our final destination where we're gonna stay in, like, which you, I guess you could consider a hotel. And so we get to this lake. And it, by this time, y'all, it's about... I think it was either two or three. I'm thinking it was more like three, 3 a.m. And, and Togo is a very poor country in Africa. So we're on the edge of this lake. So guess what that means? There is zero light out there. The moon is not to be seen. There are no, there's not electricity where we're at. It is pitch black. And it was very interesting, the, um, which dude, the, the, the men that were helping us were amazing, but none of them spoke English. So all of a sudden, I was a little fearful. Like, like, we're on the edge of this lake. These men are communicating to us that they want us to get in these canoes, but we can't really see the canoes because it's pitch black. And uh, they're gonna take us to the other side of this lake, but y'all, I can't see anything. Like, it is literally pitch black. So sure enough, we, uh, which meant some of our team was hilarious, but we load up in the boats. And like, you, I'm t- you cannot, like, Lauren was sitting across from me and for all I know, she was dead in the water because I can't see her, right? Like, like, you can't see anything. And so we started across this lake. And, by, and mind you, like, our, some of the um, folks at Beat Boat Lauren works with that been to this uh, Togoville in Togo said that, like, this lake, there's, you know, crocodiles and all these things. And so it's just, it's a little scary, right? And so we're going across. And then also, as we're, as we're like, we think, as far as we know, we're making our way across. We can't see anything. We can hear the water. I'm sure as heck not touching the water, right? And so as we're going across, it comes to my memory that um, the, the town, the community where we're going is known for voodoo, that there's like some really like famous, uh, not famous, but like in Togo, some like kind of well-known voodoo priests that are in this village. And so as we're going across, I'm like, one, I can't really see where we're going into. Like, I'm not sure I want to get there, right? Like, <laughs> Like at 3 a.m., is like the voodoo priest gonna come greet me or like a crocodile is gonna greet me? Like, I don't know what's gonna happen, right? So in our journey, and then also at 3 a.m., you kind of get a little delirious, you know what I'm saying? Like you're just like been traveling for like 30 hours or something. And so as we're, as we're approaching, I just remember feeling like, I'm not sure I wanna get to the other side, right? Like I don't know if I wanna go back either because I'm not even sure like, is the van still there? I don't know, I can't see. But there was this hesitancy, this, this fear of, uh, uh, of the unknown. And here, here's what Paul's saying, is that for the believer, it's the exact opposite. <laughs> see, we can't necessarily like see exactly where we're going, but we know that when we get, quote, to the other side, there is a priest waiting for us, but it's not a voodoo priest, it is the prophet, the priest, the king, Jesus Christ, who died for us and loves us, and it's gonna be freaking awesome to see him, right? <laughs> We have hope in that. There's hope in that when I get to the other side of the lake, excuse me, yeah, well, the other side and get to heaven, it's not gonna be broken, it's not gonna be in shambles. And when I get to the other side, God is going to make all things new. So as a believer, if I've trusted in Christ, I can look forward to the future. I don't have to live in fear and worry about it. Now, 
still say, okay, so like, okay, there's good news for today. I can look forward to the future. But I love what Paul says. We don't just rejoice in the future and what God is going to do. He says we rejoice, and this it doesn't make sense at all. But he says we rejoice even in hardships. Look at me, look with me in verse three. He says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And I feel like on these next two verses, Paul just kind of, he's like, like that uncle you have who, when he gets excited about something, he's just like gonna go off and you better be ready for it. I feel like that's what, like Paul, when you start talking about God's love, he's like, let's go. So he says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. By the way, the ungodly, that's you and me, okay? For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though, per, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So that's a big section, but here it all falls under this idea. Because you've been justified by faith, you can rejoice even in the midst of suffering. So what, what's Paul's saying here? He's like, our third idea, and I gotta move quickly for these next two so we can finish up. But he's saying that if you know Christ, you have a new perspective on suffering. So rather than when you go through hardships and trials, whether it be like persecution for living out your faith or whether it be hardships of just like sickness or death or difficulties like at your job or with friends or whatever, whatever hardship you may face, he says, we have a new perspective on it. We can rejoice in our sufferings. Why is that? Not because we're weird, like, man, broken legs are the best. Like, like not because, or, you know, man, I love it when I lose my job. Like, no, not, it's not like some weird, creepy thing. It's we rejoice in the, even in the midst of suffering because we have a new perspective. And what is that perspective? Again, I'm not gonna read through it all again, but he says, we know, as believers, we know that suffering produces endurance. So when I go through hardship, man, God works in my life to make me stronger, to persevere like a marathon runner pushing forward to the end, even though it hurts. It help, God helps me to push on forward in knowing him. And endurance leads to character. So the more, even in hardship, that I pursue Christ and endure, man, that leads to God molding my character. And character leads to hope. So he's saying for the Christian, rather than suffering, breaking them down and tearing them apart for the Christian, Suffering actually builds them up and makes them stronger in Christ. And I, I 100% believe that. I don't necessarily love hard times, but even in difficulty, I found that I can like, not rejoice, like this is awesome, but I can rejoice and be strong and trust God because I know he's doing something. Not that like he's like, give me all, like throw all this trash at me, but that he... He's at work, even in the midst of hardship. Suffering has a way of stripping away everything that you might trust and look to for comfort and making you just trust in Jesus. I think that's what he's getting at when he kind of goes on this rant on God's love that, and says that hope does not put us to shame in that reality that, so as in, in hard times, as everything in my life is kind of stripped away and I really have to depend on Jesus, as I experience his love and his goodness, I realize I have every re reason to hope in him. Does that make sense? 
I'm not put to shame. It's not like, man, hoping, in Jesus, hoping and trusting in Jesus was the worst idea ever. No, no, no. The more I hope and trust in him, I go, man, he's the best. There's nothing like him. So suffering, even in difficulty, we can rejoice. It's not meaningless. Your mess in your family, the mess at work, the hardship in school, the amazing trivial, it's still a hardship. The mess with your boyfriend or girlfriend, the mess you experience, the hardship you experience as you try to live for Christ but all your friends think you're a loser because you won't go out and party with them or whatever, the hardship you experience, it's not meaningless. God is gonna do something. He's gonna use something. He's gonna use that to grow you. So you can be like David and say, so why are you downcast? Lift up and praise God. You can be like Job who said, though he slay me, yet I will praise him. Or you can be like Joseph who said, hey, look to his brothers and said, hey, what you meant for evil, God used for good, so it's all good. <laughs> for the believer, you can rejoice even in the midst of suffering because God's given us a new perspective. We know that if God loves us enough to die for us, I'll be okay no matter what I face, right? Now this last one, I, I gotta wrap this up. This last point we're gonna look at, um, if I'm honest, I, I saved it for last just because uh, it's the one that I'm, I, does my heart the most good, and I feel like if I can embrace this truth, my life will look a lot different. And I feel like yours would too. Look real quick at chapter, chapter five, verse two. Through him, who's him? Yep, through, through Christ, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Obtained access. So it's this idea of um, like you've, you now have clearance. So, and it's, it's kind of an, it's an identity thing. So it's not just that like someone gave you, hey man, here's the key to get in. It's that, oh hey, you are now like cleared to, to go into this area, wherever it may be. So he says, through Christ, through what he's done for us, not because you're a good person or whatever, but through what, through what Christ has done for you, if you've trusted in him, you have obtained access by faith. So how did you get access to what we're about to experience? It's through faith, trusting in Jesus, into this grace in which we stand. So through Christ, through trusting in him, I've obtained access to be able to walk in to God's Grace. He says, in which we now stand. It's a perfect tense Greek word, meaning it's a completed action with never-ending results. Here's why this is so good for me, for us. <laughs> I feel like a lot of us, maybe, maybe not you. I see this tape right here. I'll just use it as an example. I think a lot of us kind of view our, our walk with Christ and our like being in right relationship with him like trying to walk a tightrope. Like, all right, don't do that. Okay, do this. Okay. Don't, don't look over there. Don't say that. Okay, okay, do this. Don't do that. And we're like, if we, if we do one thing wrong, we fall off. And like, dang it, I gotta start over again, right? And like, God, I promise, God, I'm gonna get to you. I'm gonna experience your goodness. Right, I'm gonna do this and do this. And then we feel like if we maybe, like, again, all in our heads, and I don't like literally think this way, but just trying to give you a little picture here. And then we think, okay, if maybe I get out close to God, I think then we view almost like it's some silly game show where it's like they're on a platform that they're trying to like stand on, it's moving. I feel like then we, like, we finally get in God's good graces. Then it's like, oh, God, I'm just trying to enjoy being with you. And if we do one little wrong thing, we're gonna fall off. 
And then you know what? I gotta start all over again, man. Like, are you freaking kidding me? And I gotta, oh God, I'm gonna do this. Anybody else feel that way sometimes? He says, through Christ, you've obtained access, not a tightrope, you've obtained access into this grace in which we stand. Which we stand, again, completed action with forever results. So not, oh man, I hope I can stay here. No, my feet are firmly planted in the grace of God. And the idea here is not just like in God's goodness, but you're in a, this sounds weird, but it's like the only word that is true to what it's saying. We're in a new realm. So I was in the, apart from Christ, I'm in a realm of guilt and shame and condemnation and hopelessness. But if I trusted Christ, I'm now standing firmly planted in the realm of grace and forgiveness and mercy and love and hope. So guess what? If I tomorrow like just totally butcher the day, what I mean is like I just say things I shouldn't say, I look at things I shouldn't look at, I listen to like people talking about all kinds of mess. At the end of the day, though I have some confessing and like kind of getting right with God to do, the reality is I never left God's grace. So it's not this, oh man, I got a long ways to get back. No, 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 I, I never left his grace. That changes everything. Because now I talk to God as a friend and as a father. Man, Lord, I'm, what was I thinking? I messed up. It's not this, oh, Jesus, I'll talk to you in a few weeks so I ever get my life back together. No, it, it's like, it's like you know, I never left. We're, we're just hanging out right here. Man, I've been acting like a fool, but... I'm still in grace. That, first of all, is the best news ever. <laughs> but also, that's a way more attractive Christianity than what most people see. There's nothing attractive about, well, hey, if you just live your life perfectly, then one day, eventually, you'll get to experience God's grace. There's nothing, there's nothing good news-ish about that. Sorry, I'm trying to hurry. <laughs> um, we, we got we to get this. I think this truth, which is the last one, I never said it, sorry, because you've been justified by faith, you are forever placed in God's grace. That's how I would sum this idea. Because you've been justified by faith, you are forever placed in God's grace. I think this is the difference in a joyful Christian and a burdened Christian. <laughs> the difference in a, cl a clear-minded Christian and someone who always just has so much on their thoughts and like they can't figure out how to please God. This is the difference in a confident Christian and someone who's just like, I'm not really sure what this is all about. When you know that you get to stand in God's grace and love and mercy based on what Jesus has done and that nothing can change that, that totally changes the way you live your life and approach God. And if you, if you were to say, well, well, then why don't I just go out and live however I want if I'm forever in God's grace? Paul's later gonna go on and say that like, if that's your attitude, then you don't get grace. <laughs> when you understand the love of Christ, then you don't, you don't wanna hurt him. You don't wanna disobey him. And if you're sitting there, and like, if this happens for me, I don't know how many times, like as I'm, again, I'll just keep using this picture, as I'm standing, enjoying God's grace, and like delighting in him, 
whether it's my flesh or Satan whispering in my ear, there's this little thought of like, man, Brandon, you don't, you don't deserve to be standing here in God's grace like, and enjoying this relationship. Like, you've done a lot of bad things. Uh, you've had some crazy thoughts. Like, man, you just don't deserve that. And I start thinking, man, maybe, maybe, maybe Satan's right. Maybe I need to like start back over and start trying to do good and walk that tightrope. You know what I need to do in those moments? To say, Satan, shut up. <laughs> you know why? Because the Bible says I didn't get access through what I did, I got access through Jesus. So Satan, quite frankly, you can go to hell. <laughs> like, right? I'm not trying to like be silly, but like, I got access through Jesus, not me. So I need to quit worrying about that, right? Satan, go back where you came from is maybe a more correct way to say that. <laughs> but man, it's not dependent on me. I told David, I, I, one time, this is back, I was actually in India, and I had like, said something kind of demeaning about somebody and like just was feeling like guilty and bad about it and, and I confessed but was still kind of feeling like, all right, I gotta, wipe, gotta walk that tightrope again. And I remember I felt like God tapped me on the shoulder and said, Brandon, you can't ruin your relationship with me that easily, bro. I actually kind of love you a lot, right? Like, <laughs> you're in his grace. Walk in that. Last little thing. Uh, <laughs> on another trip, we were actually going to Kenya, Africa and... Um, uh, long story short, I'll be, make this really quick. We had flown from, I guess, Dallas to London, and that's like a not fun flight, like 10 hours or something. It's not terrible, but it's a long flight. But then we get to London, it's like another 10-hour flight, I think, to Kenya, and it's just like, Lord, I don't think I can do this. Like, I'm not sure I'm gonna make this flight, right? Or like be able to live on this flight. And as we're standing in line, um, all of a sudden, I see uh, the the person behind the counter who's like typing 100 miles an hour but not saying anything, and they start giving our team uh, upgrades to business class. Now, at the time, I thought business class is not that much better. No, business class is good on an international flight. Like, I'm gonna tell you how good it is. So we, we get on the flight, and all of a sudden, I realize, like, I'm not just in a seat. I'm in, like, my own cubby. <laughs> like, like this, is, this is gonna be good. So, man, you, literally, like, you can lay completely down on, amen, on this business class. Like, and there's, there's a guy coming by that like speaks, it's like Siri's English voice or something. Like, I mean, like her London, or British voice, there we go. And he's coming by and like offering you like whatever you can imagine, right? Like, like this is amazing. And you got your little TV that like swings out in front of you. And there's actually like dividers. So like, no, like people can't even see you. So you feel like you can like actually rest and relax. And if you drool, no one's gonna judge you. Like, like this is so good. And so, like, Lauren's beside me. I feel like the whole time I'm like, have you seen this? Like, this is amazing, right? And my voice is cracking like I'm in seventh grade. And, and so, um, anyway, like, super excited. And, um, and actually the, Katie and Emily Rich are actually on this flight with us. And I, they were going to, to Kenya with us, too. And I, and I got up to stretch my legs. It's like five hours under the flight, probably six hours in the flight. And I go, like, stretch my legs, use the bathroom. And I walk past, I asked her if I could tell the story. I walk past Katie and while all the rest of business class is like just, man, it's like, uh, what's the word, like sprawled out, right, making use of all the amenities, Katie is curled up in her chair, not using any of these amenities, like nothing, like there's, she's not had any food, they're coming by with like hot, warm towels to like, you know, wipe your face off, no, she's not using any of that, she's all curled up, like her chair's not even laid out, so eventually, like I tried to push the button to, so like, I thought, man, if I can just press it right, maybe she'll just lay flat and she'll feel better. But then I, the guy that was like on the other side of her is watching me and I realize he doesn't know I know Katie. I'm like, they're gonna call the cops. And like, this is weird. So I just kind of backed away slowly. Right? Um, 
Remember we got off the flight and we're like, that was the best thing ever. And Katie's like, that's not pretty good. And I'm like, you missed out. Like, we had business class. It was the best thing ever. I slept so good. I felt refreshed. Like, I felt, like it was, I think the same thing. Like, we got to Kenya. It was like, you know, 3 a.m. And I'm like, man, let's go. I feel amazing. That was awesome. And, and she's like, oh, that's pretty good. I'm like, you missed out. Like, all of it was yours. Like, you had it and you didn't have to pay for it. Like, literally, they just said, hey, here's business class. Like, you didn't earn any of that. And it was all amazing. And you totally missed out. No, just for the sake of time, I'm gonna jump into this. Like, that's how so many Christians live their lives. Like, God has given us so many good gifts, and whether it's out of, like, ignorance or whether it's out of um, thinking I gotta walk the tightrope or whether it's just like being, like, she was distracted with sleep, others are distracted with who knows what, um, and we miss out on all the amazing things God has for us. What a shame it would be to get, like, to our final destination and to be like, uh, well, life was pretty good. I feel like Jesus would say, hey, you missed out. Like, I had so much for you. You could have walked with me as a friend with peace. You could have looked forward to heaven. You could have seen every hardship as a chance to grow and as a chance to experience my love. You could have realized that every day you could just stand in my grace even though you're really messed up. But, but, but you, you like didn't make use of it. As long as you think view your Christian life as trying to do good and earn something from God, you're, you're always gonna miss out on God's grace. I don't mean you're gonna like lose your salvation, but you're gonna miss out on the goodness of it. God's amazing grace. Don't miss out. If you're not a believer, man, I, I would love to talk with you. We're gonna sing in a second afterwards. I'd love to talk with you about what it means to follow Christ. If you are a believer, as we sing the song, I want you to just... God, help me to realize the blessings, the benefits I have in knowing you and walking with you and, and just to enjoy grace. Don't miss out. Don't miss out. Let's pray.